Hello and welcome to White Sand Noise Podcast. I'm Oscar Brummel, and today my guest is Stuart McCune of the project Size Effects. Size Effects is a newer, harsh noise project with very forward-thinking tendencies in sound. Stuart is originally from Belfast, but he's living in Switzerland currently, and uh, he's been around and he's seen a lot, and he's a pretty interesting guy. There's a new Size Effects CD coming out very soon on White Centipede Noise called Richter, which is actually what you're hearing in the background. If you're a fan of White Centipede Noise podcast, please support it via Patreon at patreon.com slash white centipede noise. Hey, Stuart. Hey, Oscar. Welcome to White Centipede Noise Podcast. Thank you for joining me on this sunny afternoon. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, so I I mentioned in the intro briefly who you are and what you do, but your project here, Size Effects, it's a fairly new harsh noise project to my knowledge. I, I take it you've been involved in music and experimental music for some time now. But this incarnation that I'm familiar with of this project um, has kind of appeared pretty suddenly and recently, I would say. Um, can you just tell me a little bit about the, the transformation and progression of that project from what it started at to what it is now? Because I remember reading that it was sort of a, a collective or a duo, and you've had a quite varied... I think residents around the world, it seems, and I'd like to talk about that a little bit. But can you just talk talk about the project first and what it started as and what it is now? Yeah, it it started. The name began uh, maybe a few months before COVID properly hit. I was living just outside of Rome, and if you remember back then, Rome kind of got hit before everyone else. We were like a few months ahead of the rest of Europe in terms of the effect of COVID. And I started it properly, maybe right at that time. And I mm-hmm. I wanted to go back to noise for a long time. And I figured this, this is, I'm going, if I don't do it, I won't do it. So I spent maybe a year just making rubbish, like just nonsense, trying to figure out exactly what was in my head. And during that time, I was open to collaboration and I knew this fantastic drummer called Judita and she she's one of the best I've ever heard. She was incredible and very experimental with her drumming as well. So... She uh, would bring her kids up to this area outside of Rome to get them away from Rome, basically. So then during COVID, whenever it wasn't complete lockdown, she could come over to the house and we had a massive house and with the drum kit set up and the amps and things. And initially it started out with, with guitar and drums to just see if we could replicate something live. And pretty much immediately we got contacted by Mm -hmm. a club called Klein in Pignato in Rome. Whenever there was a dip 
in the restrictions and we played a gig, but it was very much a, it was more of a experimental improvisational thing rather than strictly noise. And it was well, very well received and it did okay, but it wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't what was in my head. So I, I mm-hmm. told you data that she had to go. And the moment I did that, and it, somehow for some reason it was the right thing to do and very very quickly the sign began to connect and I began to focus on exactly what I wanted to create and the earliest version of that uh, just before I left Italy uh, was the flickering horses tape that came out on industrial coast and by that stage, I had already moved fully into uh, more. I'd started doing some wall stuff that nobody heard. And then I realized that that wasn't quite right either. And I just sat down one day and went, right, okay, make what you want to make. And I made Ernst. And I think Ernst was the tape that caught your attention. Mm-hmm. And quite a few other people, uh, Matthew at Rural Isolation Project, like Dernst as well. And and then it just formed really, really quickly after Ernst, the direction I wanted to go. And more specifically, what I wanted to do with noise, because noise has always been there for me. And I felt like I wasn't hearing. We can come to this. We can come back to this later. But I felt I needed to move as forward as I could in as short a space of time as possible without flooding releases of just nonsense that don't need to be out there. So I I started really intensively working at that point, I think after Ernst. You mentioned um, coming back to noise. Yeah. So if you could maybe just talk about your, your history before that. The first big stepping stone uh whenever i was about 10 or 11 uh, my, my parents took me to a record store for, and said at christmas pick pick a pick something and i picked a cassette of uh the velvet underground and nico and i really didn't like the lou reed stuff but i did like the kind of noisier stuff and that was really that's where I first if I had to put it back to one thing I think it would be that that started on a certain path and then Mm -hmm. during the 80s you know there was you just went further down that road there was a lot of so-called noise bands in the 80s like American and like indie bands like Butthole Surfers and Big Black and Pussy Galore Sonic Youth and um so we, we were, I'd listened to these a lot. And then uh, my oldest friend, my best buddy, is a guy called Alan Cummins, who has done a lot of translations on noise over the years. He's good friends with Keiji Haino. And mm-hmm. Anyway, so whenever we were like, uh, I think we were like 14 or 15, we both got 
guitars and we're like recording like just noise versions of things like teenage jesus and stuff you know like the lydia lunch stuff just 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 noise just distortion pedal hmm. and going for it and around the same time i can remember uh like napalm death were coming out and we were loving that you know they just that it was basically just these blasts of noise because they were just doing things so short and we were list- We heard like Napalm Death through in the UK. There was a, a radio one late night DJ called John Peel who was very influential, and we heard it there. And one night, John Peel played this piece of music, and straight away, I was I think I was with Al at the time, and straight away I can remember going, "This is it." What What was that? That That's it. And it was Hanatharash, and for that was the real moment. It was Anadarash, and that was like, okay, this is it. Now available at Oxen Records, Incapacitance, Oxen Man's Uneasiness CD, Nobody, Woods and Wires CD, Title Still Available, Dressing, From the Body to the Door CD, Purgist, Heart Sink CD, Scum and Unsustainable Social Condition, Necessary Downfall CD, Leah P., Surviving the Familiar CD, Available at oxenrecords.bigcartel.com. So then the the thing that Hanadarash brought us to was alchemy. And ordering direct from alchemy was the the next massive turning point because that's whenever I got the first incapacitance. And incapacitance have been the defining grip of my life. I've they've been with me my whole life i have uh every every release you know i i was able to get and even though i've lost so much over the years and things were stolen and everything that in some great way the incapacitant stuff is still with me it's still on the shelf nice and bizarrely over all this time i've never seen them oh really yeah, I'll seen them loads and I've always there's always been situations where I was supposed to see them and then I had to deal with another thing at the time and yeah, so they haven't played that what, much outside of Japan. I mean have they, I mean um they they played enough places where I could have seen them and yeah. it's just it still annoys me a bit but you know even when I was young I've got the the videos and you know, I've seen lots of footage of them playing. I've seen other guys playing from the same kind of school of Japan noise, but um, yeah, I'm just glad that they exist. They, <laughs> they're just like the best thing yeah. in the world. Okay, so you were still in Belfast at this time, right? Um, were we? It was in Belfast when we heard an Atarash. Um And then I think the first Alchemy delivery, was it? I think we might have been in London by that stage. I mean, we got other deliveries from places around the world too. Like, I remember ordering from New York, uh, like Pier Platters. We got like lots of like early kind of, industrial stuff like control bleeding and survival research laboratories and mm-hmm. like the atavistic stuff like Richard Cairn and um but yeah the the first 
delivery of alchemy. I, I'm pretty sure we were in London by that stage. And uh, yeah, that was just Clyde's pardon moment. I got, I think I got three. No, I couldn't have had three. I had, I got definitely got fabrication on that. And I got Windom by Hiju Kaidan and Romance by Hiju Kaidan. I think mm -hmm. that was the first delivery. And then on the, the next delivery, I got all the rest of incapacitants that I could find. So. Nice. What prompted you to leave Belfast? Um, well, nothing really. I, I was, I'd always wanted to move to London when I was a teenager, and then it was the first chance I got, really. I was supposed to go to art college, and I didn't. And Al was going to London to study Japanese. At the very last moment, I decided, yeah, I'm just going to go and skate and drink. And so I... Skateboard? I yeah. So there was... Uh, uh, a process in the UK called clearing, uh, where for on one day they release the spaces still available at university, mm -hmm. and uh, so I knew this was the easiest way to do it. So I just I just applied to this place, this in the University of London, and they said, well, you'd have to fly over here tomorrow morning. And I said okay, and went, and then they phoned me up the, that night and said, yeah, you're in. So I ended up doing a degree in philosophy and theology, but uh, I didn't really. But <laughs> it was <laughs> all about skating and drinking or what? And went to America and Stefan's dead. But, so yes, yeah, so then we went to, we went to London and uh, like it, it was, it was kind of, it was a cool time. There's a great photo of me and Al, I think on our first day and we looked so grunge before grunge happened. <laughs> Is it, well, actually, it was happening, I suppose, at the time. A week later was the first Nirvana show outside of America, and it was at Al's College. Wow. There's a book somewhere with, with me and Kurt in it. Like you knew and like you knew him, or were you just in a photo with we him? Met, we met that, uh, uh, whenever they were back at the end of the European tour a few months later. Uh, but I knew, I knew lots of other guys that... Uh, so yeah, so that summer I went to DC to stay uh, with a friend I'd met in London, a girl called Michelle. And Michelle's boyfriend uh, was living in New York and she was like, DC is a bit boring, do you want to go to New York? And I was like, yeah, of course I want to go to New York. And we went up to New York and her boyfriend was a guy uh, who passed away now called David Berman. He had a very influential band called Silver Jews. Yeah, and uh, and he was also also in Silver Jews was Steve uh, Malcolmus, who's yep. Pavement, yeah, and um, and Bob Nastanovich. So I stayed with David, and then him and Michelle were having a big Barney about something. So I, Bob said, Do "You want to stay with me?" And I went and stayed with with Bob in Hoboken for a while. That was great. Just got to <laughs> got to see so much stuff, and that's where I crossed paths with Eddie. I think because they they all worked at the Whitney Art Museum as security guards, uh -huh. 
and one of the security guards was Eddie's roommate who was in Capture Cop. Crazy. Yeah. Have you guys, I mean, you guys kind of made that connection on the on the video party thing. Have you guys caught up about it and confirmed those details? And, and Yeah, I sent that? him a, a message uh, before Christmas and he wrote back and we, we sent the odd email. It's just, it's cool. He's, he's a nice guy. Like Funny, yeah. Got far out. So, so what, I mean, what was your connection to that music scene at that time? Was it, were you just kind of like friends with it or were you also doing music? I was like, yeah, I was, I had a four track, so I just started making noise and I hadn't, I don't think anybody had heard anything, but I, I remember playing it to David and David was very encouraging about it. I remember he gave me Big Black's Racer X cassette as a prize for making <laughs> a good racket. Um, but uh, yeah, so then after that summer, I came back to London and I, I started a band. And, uh, and then that, the, the band did quite well, but whenever it was supposed to go to the next level, we, I kind of, I wasn't into it cause it was like a band. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I split it up at that point because it just wasn't really what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But I still knew loads of bands and I'd see lots of people coming through London that, that, that was always great. You know, you'd meet people that were just awesome, like Royal Trucks. Royal Trucks were just yeah. great, you know, because yeah. they were friends of David's and yeah. it was all worked out. And then like Sonic Youth because... Pavement were touring room with them, so yeah, it was like a big party thing. Cool. Um, but it's all name dropping bullshit that you do when you're a kid. You know, it doesn't mean anything. It's just people. Yeah, it's still it's history, though. But it is. It's just history. And the thing that that's different about it is that I feel like so much of history is getting rewritten in a, with a certain uh, tint of the glass. And I know this is inevitable, but there are things that are lost and it, getting back to the noise, there was the thing that was great about noise back then was that it, it wasn't segregated. It wasn't isolated. Mm-hmm. You know, you would go, you'd see, you know, maybe Nitzereb one night, Kai's the next and then White House at the end of the week mm-hmm. or Coil or, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. there, there was, there was just a different, you just went to see music. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like this is something, you know, that is not this. It was yeah. everything was together, and that was great. Yeah, and it was connected with lots of other things that we associate with noise, that have kind of faded away. Um, like what? Well, okay. Well, a good example would be there was a before the internet. There basically was this book that was the internet. And if you look at it now, it's insane how accurate it is about how the internet works. But it was a catalog, basically, of all the extreme shit you could get anywhere in the world. And it was called a mock. Mm-hmm. And you used to love getting the, like, the new mock catalog because it just had everything. Like everything from, 
I can't say the stuff because things will flag if I say what was in it. <laughs> but everything you can imagine was in it, right? Or yeah. where to get it, stuff like that. And it was like we came to a mock, I think, through... Do you remember, remember those research books? Yeah. So it was, it was through that that mm-hmm. you find a mock, and then a mock just had everything. Um, was it was it music and art, or more of the the ephemera? Everything. Okay. Porn, terrorism. Yeah. Out music, art, but it, included, but it, included, extreme, but it included music and art with it. It wasn't like just the the other stuff. It was like also advertising the music and art and 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 bands and labels. No, it and stuff. wasn't. It wasn't like a. It wasn't a magazine. It was like a telephone directory. Okay. But like. With, like, ad after ad. Yeah. So you could, if if you want, like, they would have a section on, say, industrial, what they, it was called industrial music, yeah. particularly in America back then, even though yeah. it wasn't industrial. Yeah. So a was one of those things that has kind of fallen away from history, but a basically was the internet in a book. Like, everything from your right-wing idiot to your, you know, left-wing beatnik. Yeah. And all in between. And why do you think that stuff has faded away? Or what what has happened there? It's because you can just get everything you you want now just straight away. Whereas back then it was was like a mission. You had to hunt things out. It's like I said about us ordering direct from Alchemy. You couldn't get Alchemy stuff in a record shop. You know, outside of Japan, because just yeah. nobody was buying it. Nobody knew what it even was. I can remember playing the early stuff to people, and and they wouldn't. They just couldn't hear it, yeah. and I understand that now, but I couldn't understand it then. But I mean, there's even within that, there's things that have fallen away. Like, you know, Yurishima are reissuing all that stuff on vinyl. Which I think is, I, I prefer it to be reissued on CD, the format it was in originally. But the, I don't need it. I have it. But there, there's things that they that they miss as well from that era. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know who, who uh, KK Null is? Yeah, of course. Okay, so <clears throat> with Zanny Gaba and stuff, he went further into what now you'd call sludge or mm-hmm. doom or. Um, but the the null solo stuff on his knucks, the the null cassettes from the eighties, like they're great. They're just like straight noise experimentation. Granted, most of it is done with a guitar, like Saul Mania kind mm-hmm. of style, mm-hmm. but they're great. Nobody's reissued them. Yeah. You know, they're really worth revisiting. And I, I feel it's that that I miss. You know, I miss that the there's no. Uh, I'm so old. I miss this. I miss that. No, but I, I do. I, I, it, it brings me so much joy when I still listen to them, and it brings me joy even thinking about you know when we would get these things back then. Yeah. And uh, there's something has definitely been lost. With do you, do you think, what do you think it's about? Do you think it's about the over genreification of noise, or why do certain things get kind of? Oh, you know, I don't want to say overhyped, but why do certain things get really lionized and canonized, and other things just kind of 
forgotten about? Is it just the quality or what? Is there something else going on there? There's something else going on there. I feel very, very strongly about the idea of noise and I have never thought of it as something harsh. I've always, always thought of it as being beautiful, almost rapturous, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I feel, the, well, brings it right back. The reason I wanted to do size effects is that I don't feel it's going forward. I feel by this stage of listening to noise, you know, virtually my whole life, Mm -hmm. we should be in a different place. And obviously, I wouldn't be here without Makawa or McKinley's idea of what noise is. But it's just what two dudes said one day. (laughs) It's not what we have to keep doing, you know? And again, utmost respect, not dissing them at all. You know I I love this stuff. Of course. But I feel like there's too much importance placed. I remember there's a Mikawa interview where he, he actually says something about not repeating anything. And... You know, that there are ink passing stuff now where stuff is repeated, you know. Yeah. I, I understand it with the theory, and it's the same with Sam's harsh noise wall theory. I yeah. understand everything about it, and I totally respect yeah. what it did. But that's like 20, 30 years ago now, and if this was an art movement, it would have already been superseded maybe like five times by now. Sure. And we don't have to keep making things to that template for it to be. And it feels like it's gone more and more in that direction. Whereas if it's not on one of the others, either one of those two templates, then, oh, that's not noise. Mm -hmm. Of course it is. Of course Mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. And so with size effects, right from the beginning, this was where I wanted to go. I was like, I'm sick of waiting. I think this this attitude of standing around, oh, we shall wait and the world catches up with what we're into, that's absolute nonsense. You need to move the thing forward. So I started thinking hard about why, why that hasn't happened. And for me... I'm going to go deep into this. Yeah, you want me to go for me? Everything cycles, right? If you want to break a cycle, you have to destroy it. And from destruction in anything on the planet comes creation of something brand new, right? So that has to happen in order for the thing to move forward. So I started thinking about, well, how, how do you destroy noise? So the only thing that I initially thought about, about how you would destroy noise to, to move it forward, to create something new, would be to, to make unnoise. So that, so maybe silence or field recordings or something like this. But that wasn't satisfying. So then I realized that even if you put those elements into it, this unnoise, that what that does is, is where, you, where the path is to the destruction. Because what it does is not necessarily with tonality or notation or anything, 
But the destruction of noise can come through structure. That doesn't mean it has to repeat. It just means if there's a structure there, then the noise somehow can be destroyed. And I feel like instead of like a lot of noise people, I know, I know a lot of people are much, much younger. So they're, they're in that phase where they like to, to, you know, it sounds negative, but I don't mean it. You'll see where I'm going, where they like laud it over people. I listen to this extreme thing and you don't kind of attitude. I think that it's, it's those people that we should be targeting. We shouldn't be just targeting the people who don't listen to noise. We should be targeting the people who make noise and listen to noise. We should make them uncomfortable so that they have to ask themselves the question, well, why do I not like this? What is it about this that I don't like? So that then we eventually destroy the noise and make something new and move the whole idea of the thing forward. If I... We we had an experience about this recently. Yeah where there was a, a an element of tonality in something. And for me, at this point, maybe that wasn't the time to do that. It's better, it's always better for something to be more established and respected and then really hit them with the heat. Mm-hmm. Like then really take them somewhere where they're not happy, where they're not comfortable. Mm-hmm. where you're destroying the thing in order to create something brilliant and new to move the whole thing forward. I'm not saying that there are not people out there who are being like individually creative. There, there are, and that's great, and they're new people, and it's brilliant. But it's still within a, 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 a rule book. And I think if you're going to advance the idea of noise you need to make the people that make noise or listen to noise, it's those people need to be uncomfortable in equal measure with the people that don't listen or make it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, uh, And I think structure for me is the experiment at the moment where I'm seeing how people react with that mm-hmm. because my stuff, although a lot of it might sound improvised, they're like particularly the tapia's tape i was talking mm-hmm. i was messaged eric uh nystrand wanted to know a little bit more so i messaged him like a, a little more in-depth thing about the the structure of the tape mm-hmm. and because he wanted to know how it related to the artist mm-hmm. so for example without going into all the detail of it here an easy thing to hit on would be that there's a track on it called Traul, which is, translates from Catalan as three eyes. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to it, I make my own shaker boxes and they kind of, they have like a theremin quality where I can manipulate the, the feedback tone. Mm-hmm. And there is a, a three tone feedback tenet that gets repeated at three times. So a three note thing that's repeated three times is the three eyes. And that's how it relates back to the artist. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So I forget where I was going now. So they, the structure 
that is going into that, I feel it once you know that it might ruin it for some people, but for other people it might not. And if you let people know that it's okay to perhaps put put structure or even a strange tonality into something, in order to at least try to keep going forward instead of just stand and still, you know, pretending that the world is going to catch up. The world hasn't catched up, caught up because they're not going to. You know, you, if, if you want noise to move in a new direction, you have to push. You have to at least try things to make it, make it different than it currently is. But what about people who don't want it to go in a new direction? What, people, what about people who don't want That's it to like be, be different? people not liking punk. It's just a ridiculous argument. Things have to go in a new direction. That's, that's evolution. It's what life is. Any kind of music evolves, and it feels like it's taken a long time for noise to evolve. So I just, I'm just trying things to try to see if one of these things connects or destroys to a point where mm-hmm. something occurs to me where it's like, oh, perhaps if this happens, then everyone hates it and this becomes then something new for the generation after me. Mm-hmm. Rather, than, rather than me specifically wanting to be, oh, I'm the guy saying noise forward. I just, I just want to move forward. I don't want to stand still. Mm-hmm. There's no point in me trying to replicate things I love like Makawa or, or adhering to Sam's uh, almost manifesto, mm-hmm. you know, because that, that's like 30 and 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, so I feel like I'm so passionate about the concept and the feeling of noise that I, I do feel that it needs to be explored more. And if in, in order to do that, you're going to feel, you're going to make stuff which people think is terrible mm-hmm. and which maybe is terrible, but, but it's better than not trying just because you want the, the, th- the appreciation of your peers. Oh, that's good noise. Well, if you can make good noise, make more than good noise, mm-hmm. you know, I don't disagree with you, but I'm just just playing devil's advocate about some some things. I mean, it, uh, why does something have to go forward? Because, for example, I, I often use this analogy of food. Like, if I love pizza, and I think pizza is like the traditional Italian recipe for pizza is like the the highest, at least for my taste, thing that we can achieve with pizza... I mean, might I just say, oh, well, I, I don't want a new kind of pizza. I want this kind of pizza because it's the best. Yeah, you're, you're making the error of saying that the pedal has to change. The pedal is the pedal. The pizza is the pizza. But food changes. Yeah. The food of today is not the same as the food of 100 years ago or even 50 or 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, the food of today is much healthier than it was even whenever I was growing up. So, so food changes, so the pizza changes, but the pedal doesn't change, you right. know? The Orange Boss pedal is still the Orange Boss pedal, or the DOD or whatever it is that you think is in your box of tricks. But So, so you're making the mistake of, of confusing the element with the overall concept. Yeah, I understand. Um, 
but to kind of what we we had kind of a, a a back yeah you mentioned we had kind of a, a back and forth issue about um the the richter city which is um coming out soon on white center noise and your work does have a very very you know you say you call it structure but i call it i i would i would call it musicality and i think i've i, I the the important difference i want to make with it is musicality versus think, music Sorry? no i think the, the difference is notation and on the thing we disagreed about and you were completely correct there was notation and the reason I put put it in in the first place was just for badness, was just because I knew <laughs> that a white centipede market would just go, what the, what is this? Why is there notes in this? So, so but, and then I realized that this isn't the time to do that. You know, wait until they know that you can, it's like old free jazz musicians used to have to put a standard on the album yeah. to convince people they could play the, the, the jazz standards before they could convince them of this crazy noise improvisation they were doing. Sure. So it's a similar thing. So now I, now's the time to put the standard to make the good noise album. And then once people know that I can do that, then maybe I go, okay, try it with this, you know, I, I, I see what you're saying, but I, but what I was saying is like the musicality of, of noise in terms of the structure, the composition. I mean, tr that's that's why I do really like to. I am really of the opinion that noise is music. I don't see it as separate. I do see it fully as music, and I think, in terms of its intentional sound and composed and structured sound, even if the even if the composition is accidental or sloppy or improvised, that it's still very intentional sound to ex achieve for certain 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 uh, emotional response or, or or trigger something in anything. Um, but what I see is this, what's the separation for me is not musicality of noise, but incorporating certain parts of Western music into noise. Because that, that to me is an element that oftentimes just bothers me on a personal level. I wouldn't say it's wrong, but just I want to, that, that to me goes back to the kind of music that we hear in TV commercials and on the radio and in record stores. You hear this certain type of music and it's fine, but I, for some reason to, to go to that, from noise, which I see as the music of really opening, and and that that's that feels to me like a like a constriction. Do you know what I mean? Okay. So the first thing about that would be, no matter who we are in this community of listeners and makers, every single one of us, even if it's only a small percentage, even if it's only five percent of what we all listen to, there is a percentage of what we listen to that's not noise. You listen to hip hop, for example, right? Of course, yeah, yeah. So, all of us listen to another form of music, yeah. right? Now, in that other form of music, if you heard noise being incorporated, like clipping in hip hop, you go, "Oh, it's fantastic! Noise is in clipping, or noise is in Vince Staples." Somebody said mm -hmm, recently mm -hmm. in right. uh, Delaware, was it? Yeah, and. Yeah. Uh, um, and it would be the same if it was, you know, if you, if you were in, you know, if you heard noise being put into opera or something, you'd be like, oh, there's noise in the opera, isn't that great? But if it was the other way around, you'd be like, what, what's that doing in my noise? That's no good in my noise. What is, you know, it's like, it's like the old guy going, no, no, no. Just, it's ridiculous standpoint to have. If it's personal taste, there's nothing can be done about that. That's okay. If it's just something that jars on the individual, that's completely understandable. But 
we should not be closed to the idea of in the same in the inverse in the way that we wouldn't we we'd like it if noise was in other music why do we not like it if other music is in noise and it for me i i agree to a point i don't like music in noise for me it ruins it that's not really where i'm wanting to go i'm talking more about uh less free jazz improvisation because basically you're doing the same thing you're twisting a button on a piece of metal and that's what you're doing if you're playing the saxophone you know so it's less improvisation and more concentrated structure to see where it goes just to see what it could possibly lead to i think is more what i'm thinking i agree i agree i i I think I mean don't get me wrong I I love your work and that's why I'm that's why I care about it and I, and I that's what I definitely picked up on the first time I heard any of it and, you know you mentioned your ants tape and and uh like I got this in a you know, we kind of did a trade and it was it was sort of a a random trade I wasn't sure what to expect and you know you also described it at the time as wall noise and I thought well okay I don't know I'll, I'll check it out and then I put it on and I was I mean a lot of times sometimes I get trades for stuff and it takes me a long time before I even throw it on you know it's just like i get stuff and packages are here and things are piling up and you know noise tapes are all over and it's i don't i don't necessarily put everything on right now but for some reason it grabbed me and i fucking threw it in i was like holy shit this is really excellent and it was exactly that it was very very dense harsh noise but very very structured and purposeful and even without the the side that has the more tonal elements of it it was the 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 a side which is very static or it has static elements you know the 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 textural elements even within those that's what i love that's what i especially love is within all that harsh noise was all of this very intentional structure and that was really and that and that's and that's what i I hear through all of your work and so um but, but back to your point about the okay noise in music is celebrated and music and noise is is not the reason for me that is the case is because I really do put noise on a pedestal above any of the other music I listen to. The other music I listen to is like, for me, it's like entertainment. It's like, okay, I can put, you know, I listen to rap music because it's like some, it's if it's like, it's like fast food to me. Yeah. I it's like, I it's like something I put on or, or, you know, I, you know, rock music, classic rock, whatever. I'll put it on and be like, oh, this is cool. I like this, but it doesn't, very very rarely do other genres of music like have that same effect on me and mean that much to me as noise does so they're more kind of like i don't know the proper word for it but they're more like take it or leave it something to kind of enjoy and 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 get some i completely appreciate that i i so, so that when I when that like they're when not that as or something they don't have the yeah, same. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's kind of more like a. It's I don't want to say it's cheap. I mean, I love music, but it's like it's a different. It's a it's a different kind of experience. And noise is so is so serious to me and so special to me. So that when I see this world of when I have this world of noise, which is really a different experience. I, I consider it music, but I consider it a higher form of music. At least maybe not technically or not objectively, but on my from my experience, that when and then it brings in some rock or some 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 four four beats. I'm just like. Yes. Let's yeah. bring it back down. Yeah. No, I, 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 the drums, uh, the, a repetitive drum changes it to a different style of music. Uh, yeah. Changes it to industrial music. So it's, it's, that's a different thing that's already been done. So I'm not talking about 
that. But I, I agree with you completely about the elevation that we give to noise. Uh, and it's more that it's the way it forces us to listen to it rather than we give it back. But there, yeah. are, there are two things that, that vaguely do it, but it's because they're doing the same thing that we like about noise, but noise just does it more. And the two things are free jazz and concrete. You know, mm-hmm. both of those elements yeah. are like perhaps even if you include avant-garde, classical, like like Xenakis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they, they do the same thing that we enjoy that noise does for us if we if it's someone like you and me who's really deeply listening and it's it's well deeply listens even wrong it's just it is a different experience yeah and maybe different listening experience and i don't know what results you'll have exploring structure further i think it's great and you should but i think i think what i find with noise is i really like the what 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 i think most important about it for me is that it's an open vessel because of its lack of structure or very vague structure or chaotic structure that's hard to pin down it's like an open vessel for my own thoughts or mind or or meditation empty it's whatever but i can put my emotions into it whereas most music gives you some sort of emotion. So I think I, the, I have the to emphasize, sorry to interrupt, but I have to emphasize, I'm not speaking about repetition. Sure, sure, sure. You know, I'm, I'm yes. not talking about our recognition, even I'm not talking about yeah. after a while, perhaps you would recognize it moves from this point to that point. Yeah. But I'm not talking about repetition. I'm talking about just a preconceived framework that you're going to create this in. Yes. Rather than it just be a stream of consciousness. Yes. Yes. Release. And I and I and I and I I totally get that. And I'm I'm just I'm just you know I do think though though that 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 is there this 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 uh spectrum from chaos to structure if it you know that that's that's the that's the sliding scale and, and, and I, I wonder if potentially the more and more structure I mean if it go get to a a certain degree of structure that it's then serve it's it then has a different effect on the on the on the brain just on the ears you know on a psychoacoustic level absolutely like hearing yeah, it, I, like, I mean i don't know if i'm going to feel i'm going to try my damnedest not to but <laughs> it's, i'm still going to try i'm still not going to sit down and just make a good noise album like anyone else can make or like an individually creative noise album like anyone else can make i want to try to do something <laughs> I could fall on my face like you, we could interview again in a year and I'd go yeah that was I like, talking about that was nonsense you know but at the moment I'm going to try a few things to see what where it leads or what happens or see if somebody else does it and already I've there's a couple of people have even contacted me and said that they, they've not copied but they've been influenced by some of the things that I've been doing over the past year and they can definitely hear it in their own work. Yeah. And that's all I need. I just want it to yeah. get out there and let the idea kind of infiltrate on its own and see what happens. I'm not expecting to be the guy that changes anything, but I want to at least put stuff out there so that maybe the kid 
of the next guy changes it. You yeah. know, I like, think it's, I I I think it's I don't I don't get me wrong. I think it's really great and also really important. I I'm wishing for similar things with with noise as a whole. I mean, I'm not. I think some people maybe sometimes misunderstand the fact that I'm. I'm not. I'm not one of the people that's like sick of noise or bored of noise or needs noise to change or become different. But I do just when I hear noise and then I think about noise, I'm. I notice a big gap of what I can hear and what I know how to make, and what I can imagine in my mind just vaguely that maybe could be possible. I still don't know how to make it or how to get there or what it is exactly, but I feel like. In my mind, there are many, 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 many things that are un, untapped without changing what noise is, and and I'm ex, ex, I'm ex, I'm I'm very interested in that, and I I really do think a lot of that is very much tied to the the gear that we've kind of all been accustomed to using because that gear, as great as it is, and producing beautiful and um, incredible results, is very still very finite and. It's the gear that we use because it's what is inexpensive and and rel- relatively easy easy to to use and and make and et cetera et cetera. So I mean, we're just kind of captive to this set of tools that everyone has kind of passed down to each other. And hey, you make noise with this, but I even think of just that the tools could change or people start grabbing other tools. Things could really go. But you had her on. That's why Victoria Shan is so important. Yeah. That's exactly why she's so important. She is constantly thinking or experimenting with new ways to make sound. And basically it's all sound. It's all waves that we're doing, dealing with. And she's creating these things on a different level. It's why she's so valuable to this music. I seen an Instagram thing just this week where she's created some kind of magnetic Ebo. Yeah. And it's like, we need that, and perhaps that's what will help it evolve. Because if we just stick to the same hardware, like you said, then it's just like free jazz. The free jazz you make today is exactly the same as the free jazz that was made in the 70s because they're using the same stuff. There's nowhere yeah. else for it to go apart from individual creativity. Yeah. Whereas if if we have different... It's it's we we're not there yet, so I don't know. But if someone makes the equivalent leap of a distortion pedal, you know, the next thing that makes a sound that hasn't really been recorded before, then that sound will help this music become a, a different music eventually. You know, a different thing. But it's not necessary to just rely on the hardware. Of course, yeah. Of I course. think that. There has to be a change in direction about how how the whole genre is approached by a, a younger generation wanting to do something. Try to try to tell them that it just it doesn't have to be just like an extension of your punk hardcore days. You know that, that this is a very different kind of music. You just don't. It's not just something you go and get angry at and scream and go, "Oh, that's great." That's just punk noise, punk stuff. That's not the same thing that we're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. And the, particularly in America, the, there's this path. Uh, it's it felt like for a long time where where you went from like you know punk to extreme metal to gore metal to noise or something you know, and it's just yeah. so boring. You know, it's like yeah. 
uh, bringing those things to noise just makes noise those things. I think that was your issue with the notation or the tonality. Sure. Um, and it's been able to strive to ch- achieve a balance where bringing something to noise makes noise a, a, a different thing or a higher thing, but still noise. That's the trick. That's what we have to try to to push towards rather yeah. than just bringing the other things to it. I don't know. You, you get kind yeah. of one. one for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. But for, for me, it still has to have, I mean, that the conceptual, the, con, the concepts behind it still have to add up to something the discerning ear wants to hear. And like, like it, it is to me, like you said, it's not about harsh, like harsh noise isn't to me about harshness. It's about beauty or it's about a certain character of sound that I, that I really enjoy. It's not about destroying sound. It's not about being fucked up or, yeah. or, you know, at least it, that's my, that's, that's my appreciation of it. It's, it's, it's I know that's about, that's what it's about I for other people. That's fine. But, but for me, it's, it's really about certain sounds and certain power of, of sound simply. It's, I mean, a very boring level, but that's, that's really what it's all about. So, I mean, that also has to be really in the forefront. Cause I know that it's not like there aren't people who have tried to push things forward and, and try their things. And a lot of times I can hear, I hear things right away and I go, Nope. Not for no, not for me, not for me. That's you know, yeah. like it's not. I mean, and and I go okay. Well, then you know, then I'd rather just listen to, you know, incapacitance, for example. You know, yeah. Oh. So I mean, yeah, it's it's a it's a push and pull for sure. I but I think I think it's great what you're doing. I think I think you're onto something very, very good. I mean, all you've done. So so let's let's kind of move to your your catalog. And so since since the past year i would say maybe a little longer i don't know exactly how long you've been you've released a good handful of releases across a good handful of labels um and they're all like fully realized album type releases i mean maybe not super long but they're all sizable and 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 complex and so i've also you know obviously noticed besides flickering horses which i don't think is a reference to an artists uh most of them are named after a certain artist in the fine arts um well there was a plan uh by the way flickering horses is named after zoetrope okay yeah um the there was a plan then because ernst was such a a definite uh formulation of the idea of the sound that I was going to make the cassettes uh, based around the work of a fine artist and then the CDs Mm -hmm. were going to be based around my own work but then that all went out the window this particular week (laughs) because the (laughs) director's coming out on CD but I'm much happier that it's coming out on CD it sounds better than yeah 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 but um, yeah, so there was an idea be. to do the cassettes as based around the work of artists, and then the CDs uh, to be based around my own painting. Um, like the Americasm CD is all my own painting, and the the Crim Cram one, which is like shortly, is called uh, 
noble one left behind and it's all based around uh-huh. my own painting uh-huh. okay i didn't realize that so so is that something you are also very involved in for a longer painting? period of time yeah i've exhibited yeah. most of my life um uh-huh. i've done a lot of stuff oscar but yeah I've, that was one thing that <laughs> I, de- I I still get a lot of offers, but I exhibiting fine art is a hassle, you know. And yeah. it's a particular hassle at the minute. I just don't I don't like shipping stuff. I don't like having to go there. I don't yeah. And I just can't yeah. be bothered anymore. I know it sounds I know there's loads of people who'd love to do this. So let them do it instead of yeah. me. You know. Let yeah. them have the opportunity. I'm I'm not I just it's I you feel like using your visual I've art on studio below the the music studio. Oh cool. Sorry, what did you say? Do you feel like using your artwork on on your noise releases fulfills some of that wish to show your your work in that way and also kind of marry it with it, something new? It makes me it makes the paintings better because I don't put a painting on the cover because the music's, I hold the music in such high regard that the painting that goes on the cover has to be, has to be a good painting, you know? So it's not just anything that's lying around the studio. It's, it's usually a painting that's been lying around the studio for at least a year. Yeah. So, um, so it's, it's not made the order kind of thing. I was going to ask you this anyway, but I, I did ask some people from Patreon if they had any questions from you. And, and, and one person asked a question about the name of the project, Size Effects, um, where that comes from. It's spelled C-Y-E-S-S-A-F-X-Z-S. Well, For those listening who haven't, haven't read it. It's kind of like if you take uh, the word size and effects and say them in a kind of backwards twin peaksy voice size effects you know it's kind of like that but that's not where the name came from the name came from wanting a name that didn't have connotations to things in harsh noise that i have no patience for anymore so i didn't want it to be any reference to anything fetishistic or gore or because these things have just been done to death. And I mean, you could make a a harsh noise band name generator. No problem. Like put in, you know, something to do with death, something to do with blood and, you know, or maybe, you know, stockings or something. And next thing, you know, so I just didn't want any connotations to anyone else. And I thought mm-hmm. back to the original time, even of, you know, first time I seen Hiju Kaidan, I didn't know how to pronounce it. And so I thought that didn't matter. And I, I started hitting random uh, computer generated words. Just because the, every time I thought of a name, it was just rubbish or it had already been done. So I thought, okay, well, if it's going to be something forward, it should be something really forward. And I just started generating random words with random letters. And I had 
a list of about 10 that I liked and it didn't seem right either. And then the 11th one straight away, I was like, okay, that's it. Then it was, because it, it made me think of like side effects as well. Because mm -hmm. if, if you say it in my accent, it kind mm -hmm. of side effects. It kind of sounds like you're saying side effects, like medication yeah. to yeah. a point. Yeah. Or just like that this is a side, this is a different way to to approach scale and that scale is important and that we should think bigger about the whole thing. So mm -hmm. the, the, the size effects thing was more about making noise a bigger concept. And I didn't want to overtly say that. So whenever I seen the spelling, I was like, okay, that's, that's perfect. That's, that's like taking it to, in my mind, at least I know that's constantly reminding me to try to take it bigger because mm -hmm. size affects things. So the, the spelling was given to you by the program. The, the words I had thought of, and then I threw random letters uh -huh, in to I see. see if I could generate something that that implied skill to me just personally. And then okay. that came up and I was like, okay, that, that's going to work. Okay, so there was another question someone on the Patreon asked, and I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it verbatim as opposed to paraphrasing, and then I think we'll get to the bottom of it. But um, the question is, does he think that to make good noise... Given that style's experimental background and what such background allows you to consider as noise, one needs to have swallowed a bunch of references and have a certain knowledge of what has been done before. Say what's what's the question? I think that I think the question I think the question is, is the question of this saying that if you know stuff you can't make noise or you need to know stuff to make noise. No, no, no. The question is the question is not a diss. No, the question is not a diss. The question is 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 wondering if you think one needs to have Reference? knowledge knowledge and references of what has come before in the genre in order to oh in the genre i didn't i thought it was just talking about music in general well no no in 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 experimental noise oh, if you need to know the okay. if you need yeah, to know the, the yeah definitely if you need to know the backgrounds of experimental noise well, and got, the different styles in order to in, in and have those references and knowledge in order to make something I I think with anything, the more knowledge you have, the better chance you have of making something more individual. Uh not because you'll be copying influences, but because if if you didn't know the work of well, Sam McKinley is a great example for this. If you didn't know his work and you produced something clicky, for example, and thought it was the best thing in the world, and then you discovered his work, you'd be like, oh, he's doing that way better than I did it. I, I, I look like an idiot, you know? So you need to know something about... It's like trying to paint without going to a museum and looking at other art. You need to have an appreciation and an understanding of the overall concept of what you're doing and then some kind of background so that you're not just painting another Picasso or making another the Rita recording, you know. Not that I think people could do either of those things, but you understand the point I'm trying to yeah. make. I think it is necessary and it can only benefit 
your creative endeavor if you have some foundation. If you try to build a house, try to do anything without some kind of basis, it's not going to stand up. You know, you need you need yeah. some knowledge of what you're doing, of you know how to how to achieve what what you want to achieve, or if someone has done something before that is very similar to what you, you feel like doing, then you know you can look at that and learn what how they came to that point, and then maybe take that point again further. You know, so I think it, it is 100% necessary in any creative endeavor not to think you can just do it and you're brilliant because you're not and you never will be. You need to have some kind of knowledge, some kind of uh, mental amalgam, library, whatever way you want to put it to draw from, than just create like a savant. Yeah. Even within more fringe areas like we're talking about art even in things like like art brut or outsider art i i have art brut on the walls it was made by a doctor in a psychiatric institution so there's an argument for saying that that is not schooled but there's still a there's still a knowledge base there to create the art um i think it's the same with any kind of endeavor where you're trying to get in what's in here out there if you try if you mm-hmm. want to communicate you have to communicate in the most fully individual way possible and if you're replicating something that communication will instantly be lost if someone knows the thing that you're just copying mm-hmm. but communication only happens creatively if the thing is fully an individual so i'm not saying you have to replicate or be influenced even by things i think i mean that it helps you to have a library yeah before becoming a writer you know sure yeah you need to read a book yeah no you're you're, you're totally right yeah i mean the, i i think you're i mean once again we're kind of touching on like the the two schools I think that there are in terms of attitude about noise is that noise is punk essentially. Noise is like the most punk thing uh, possible and it's just like destruction of sound and, and, and rejection of everything and pure catharsis or, or, or expression versus a crafted and intentional art form. Well, I think the distinction should be more about live performance and recorded performance. Um, live performance, you know, get your punk rocks off as much as you want. You know, most of us have been there, seen that and done it. Not nudious, but if you need to do that, if you're still angsty and hormony, get it out of your kid, do what you want. But if you want to create something beyond that, you, you need to either go and look at what people have done in that area before, you know, or just, I think we're, we're going in circles a little bit here about, sure. but I think that the distinction between uh, expression, expression is a live element. If you're recording any sound, obviously there's, 
there's a degree of expression in it. But if you overly express the way you would in a live performance, you will never capture the energy of that live performance. Whereas if you concentrate more on the emotion you're trying to convey and a recording studio uh, setup, you will record more of that intensity that you're that you're trying for if you reel it in a bit and concentrate mm -hmm. on the on the confines of what you're doing the recording structure the environment why you know what you're trying to commit to tape rather than giving this the studio your best performance of your life you know it's sure. more about communicating the idea in a studio and if you want live to be like say be as you know punk rock as you want yeah yeah. What about size size effects as a live uh, project? Have you ever performed live? I mean, you, you mentioned kind of the earlier yeah uh, experimentation with the project. But... Really good documents. Uh, there's the very early one with the drummer, which yeah. is still okay. It's not great, but it is what it is. Mm -hmm. But there's a later one <laughs> that um, just before I left Rome. Well, that was awesome. Um, anything else you want to... Yeah. We stayed away from Belfast and all the around the world crap as well, but we can, I can tell you about that sometime. Yeah, I mean, I, I would like to know about that. I didn't, you know, I don't... Yeah, it's I would like to know that. Um, but yeah, it's. It, I hope I didn't uh, sound too preachy, but noise is so important to me you know and yeah. the reason i'm doing it is important to me and if i sound weird i apologize but i just it comes from a, a good place and i of course i want this music to really move into a different era and it feels like it's it's kind of stuck a little bit for the past kind of couple of decades maybe well, a decade mm. you know so mm. hopefully somebody will pick up the torch button whatever i think people people are and people will and and it's uh you know you weren't preachy but that's why that's why i have people on here is i i have them on here to be preachy that's the point of this okay this platform is that give everyone a chance i think i think that's the important thing also about noise and you know you talked about mikawa's attitude mckinley's attitude your attitude i think it's just important that everyone has some develop some sort of attitude or philosophy not that it is rigid and never can break or, or change or evolve but i think that everyone who's doing this knows knows why and what they want to do with it you know so that's always i really appreciate your your conviction and i cool. i love what you do and uh anything else you want to let people know about there's a cd coming out very soon on white side happy noise hopefully in a couple weeks it did i'm i can't wait for people to hear that you know it's been it's been sitting for a little bit and I, yeah. I have no problem with that, but it's just, uh, for me, whenever that one was completed, that was the true successor to Ernst. Yeah. And it's just perfect that it's coming out on white centipede because cool. it just, it sits in my mind in a nice yeah. space being there, you know, it's the right place home for it, you know? Excellent. Yeah, it's it, it, it. Sorry, it took a while. I mean, you've been very prolific and very quick. You know, you've been working with these labels that are rather quick these days. Like, 
Satatawata, AAD, those guys, they're on top of their game, and I've been pretty. Oh no, I'm not missing the thing. You, you. No, no, but I'm just saying. You know, it's 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 a it's a and it's important. It's an important piece of your progression and and, and catalog. So I'm glad I it's finally coming on. The thing that that I really am happiest with about that is that when we revisited it just very recently, it doesn't seem separate. Right. It seems part of the same catalog, and I, I really yeah. like that. Yeah. There's quite a few things planned. Um, I don't know how much I should say. There's at least two solo tapes. Mm-hmm. Um, only one of them has begun recording. And there are at least two collaborations coming. Maybe th- maybe three or four if the other two get their act together. Um, <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. people say they'll they'll do it and then nothing happens. But um, yeah, the there are two that I think are are definitely going to happen, and I am incredibly excited about them. It's really nice to be collaborating with people. Cool. And it's both, uh, they've both been mentioned in the course of this. So okay. that's just, I, I, I don't want to jinx it by saying, but I, I'm really looking forward to the collaborations almost more so than my own direction, because I think it will help my own direction. Yeah. You know, and Great. Uh, yeah, I can't wait for people to hear. So they probably won't arrive or surface maybe until the, completely the second half of the year. Sure. Um, at the earliest, I suspect. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe one of them I should talk to you about. Yeah, let's talk. Yeah. Cool. All right, Stuart. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you, man. It's great. Yeah, I'm a, I, like, I love watching the show. It's a bit weird being on it, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but thanks for it's having. Supposed me. To be, it's supposed to be a an easy an easy step from. From watching to oh, is it okay being well, on? I mean, I think yeah. I mean, I, 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 you know, that's that's one of the great things about noise is the the fact that it's all everyone's everyone's doing the same thing. Everyone's in it. You know, I mean, yeah. There are fans, of course, that just just listen and and don't make it. And that's that's perfectly fine. But it's a very uh, fluid barrier, I think, between creator and 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 appreciator and um yeah and, we're yeah. all fans yeah exactly exactly you know, we're all fans of everyone else it's that's that's yeah. one of the most beautiful things about this music it's like everyone is just so passionate about somebody else that, yeah <laughs> that, is, that is doing you know is in the same field and then we we yeah. just we're like oh this person's brilliant oh this person's brilliant yeah. oh they're doing really interesting stuff yeah and I think it's much more of a community than we even realize it is. But I think this sure. podcast is one of the things that has definitely helped bring that together because I haven't been able to tune in to other noise podcasts. They they don't uh, it just they don't have have my rhythm or they don't sit. I can't sit through them. Whereas mm-hmm. I think I've watched every WCN. Cool, and they're radically different. You know. Yeah, well, I mean that, that's that's exactly it. And that, that's why I have this 
this this podcast is a I like I'm a fan I'm such a fan of so many people that I just want the chance to be able to be like hey like first of all I want to talk to this person about what they do for my own personal enjoyment and interest and then it's like hey look at this person you know listen to, listen to what they have to say i mean for if you, if you haven't i mean a lot of, of course a lot of people already have but it's still that's that's the fun of it for me that i get a lot of joy out of that so it's great yeah so take care Stuart. thank you so much and we'll talk to you soon thanks oscar bye 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 slash white centipede noise. Stuart talks about a size effects gig in Rome that got very heated. He also talks about his gear and a bit of his technical process, as well as more details about his compositional approach on recent size effects releases. All that and more is to be found at patreon.com slash white centipede noise. I want to thank everyone who supports the podcast via Patreon. Shout out to the Maniac Circle supporters and an extra special thank you to Joshua Peer, Casper Sonnet, Christoph Ruschak, John Ingram, Dries, DF, and a few others who wish to remain anonymous for being heavy sponsors of White Centipede Noise Podcast. Really appreciate it.